Marcus Paul, almost a public figure. Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the morning. Right across Australia. On the iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio apps. The biggest issues. The biggest guess. Marcus Paul in the morning starts now. Okay, good morning and welcome to Friday. We've made it to the end of the week. Well, I certainly have. It's uh, been a little off colour this week, but thank you for persevering and thank you for tuning in here on starterfm.com.au. I hope you had a good week. Uh, I know it's been tough for many, particularly up there in the northern rivers. Dear, oh dearie me. I don't know what's to be done. It's not like you can lift Lismore up. Uh, you know, and move it somewhere else. But we need to be more resilient. And what the hell are Resilience New South Wales doing considering they're a three-quarter of a billion to $1.3 billion organisation supposedly making our state resilient to these sorts of recurring disasters, natural or otherwise. Anyway, I'll talk a little about that this morning. Uh, plenty else on as well. Look, I, I normally steer clear of the real awful serious stuff but I, I need to make a comment on Hannah Clark the Brisbane mum uh, who was tragically murdered a couple of years ago in Brisbane um, by her estranged husband that loony Baxter who not only killed Hannah but their three children as well and then himself well Hannah's very brave parents have spoken out at the inquest into her death they did so yesterday in Brisbane at the coroner's inquiry and look what they had to say, it, it nearly brought me to tears, absolutely. Anyway, I'll talk about that a little later this morning as well. The latest on the Chris Rock, uh, Will Smith saga, uh, Chris has finally broken his silence over it, though he hasn't really said much at all, apart from the fact that he's still trying to process apparently what's gone on and what's happened. Again, many other people have had their say on this and will continue to do so. I just want the Academy to hurry up and decide what they're going to do about it. Um, I don't think Will Smith should lose his Oscar for Best Actor because, you know, it was a great performance, but there needs to be some sanction in place. And I would suggest perhaps the Academy make him or ensure that he gives back to the community in some way maybe, uh, supporting victims of crime, raising money for them, or whatever it is. Um, he can't just walk away from this, Will Smith. Speaking of actors, I've got some details on one of my favourite actors who's apparently dealing with a, an issue where his cognitive function is now, well, less than it was. I'm talking about Bruce Willis. Yeah, real sad story about him in the last 24 hours, so... I'll touch on that, uh, a little bite-sized chunks of the latest news. The nurses in New South Wales went on strike again yesterday, the second time in less than, what, two months. They are pissed. I don't blame them because the New South Wales government simply will not give them what they deserve, and that is better staff-to-patient ratio and a half-decent pay rise. I mean, the state government's... And I'll go through this in just a moment or two on the program. The state government's got no problems with the, their mates in private enterprise jacking up toll prices, which they will again today in Sydney. Thank you very much. No problem with that. But they've got problems with, you know, uh, increasing people's wages to match this cost-of-living expense. Uh, it's hypocritical. Anyway, I'll get through that and 
uh, bite-sized chunks of the other news as well. Marcus Paul in the morning. Uh, you can be a part of the program. Many of you do already on the Facebook page. Thank you for all your comments there. Uh, plenty of, uh, of you liking and sharing and, of course, making your comments known on the page, and I appreciate that. If you want to send me an email, you can do that too. Marcus.Paul at starterfm.com.au. Let's get into it. Friday morning, the latest news. We'll get through all of that too with Air News and some great music on the way. Nice to have you company. Okay, welcome back. It is the first day of April this Friday, April Fool's Day. And uh, look, this is no joke. Well, (laughs) depending on which way you look at it, the joke's on us. Your quarterly reminder of how good the privatisation of New South Wales roads are. Cost of living, as we know, is bloody sky high. So cue toll rises from today. The April 1st quarterly increase as annualised figures see the cross-city tunnel increase by 5.3%, the eastern distributor northbound 4.2%, Hills M2 5.2%, Lane Cove Tunnel 4.5%, Westlink the M7 5.1%, the M5 4.8% and North Connects 5.7%. Oh, Frank, is such a joke? There we go. Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. It really is outrageous that at this time, the state government continues with its ridiculous notion of privatising our major roads. Sydney drivers will be slammed with record toll increases beginning from today as New South Wales Labor reiterates its call for the New South Wales government to urgently deliver toll relief. The tolls, many of which are calculated by the greater of the consumer price index of 4%, have surged as a result of cost of living increases in Sydney. Now from today, quarterly toll increases will take effect, as I mentioned on the M2, the M5 West, Lane Cove Tunnel, Cross City Tunnel, Eastern Distributor and the M7 with annualised rate increases of between 4.2 and 5.7%. Furthermore, based on the inflation forecasts in the federal budget, the West Connect set of tolls will rise by over 4% per annum on January the 1st, 2023. Sydney siders already pay tolls on over a million trips per day, totalling, you ready for this? around about $2.3 billion annually. Over the remaining life of existing toll contracts, this will leave Sydney motorists paying over $100 billion in tolls, all going to private toll road operators. Now, we know the opposition has been critical of the government's toll mania rollout, which has seen tolls rise to unprecedented levels, with more tolls and toll roads on the way. Recent national CPI figures show that over the last 10 years, that is the last 40 quarters, only three have exceeded 1% in a quarter, including the most recent figure. Chris Minns, New South Wales Labor leader, says families and households in Sydney are being slammed with the surge in the cost of living. To add insult to injury, their daily commute to work will also see a commensurate increase in tolls. The government has previously promised toll relief, but has failed to deliver. And on the 1st of April, that's today when tolls surge, they'll be taking motorists for fools. 
All right, welcome back. April Fools, Marcus Paul in the morning. Well, uh, thank you again for all of your uh, your comments and uh, your interactions on the Marcus Paul in the Morning Facebook page. A post I put up yesterday went a little silly. I, I wrote at the top of it, seems fair. Then there was a screenshot of some of the sugar hits that were provided by the federal government in this year's budget, which was handed down by Josh Frydenberg, of course, on Tuesday night. A once-off payment of $250 to those on welfare. A once-off tax cut of $420 to workers. But anyone earning over $200,000 a year will enjoy a tax cut of $9,075. That's an extra $350 a fortnight, every fortnight, permanently. And this also includes billionaires. Well, didn't you go off absolutely online? Kevin says, obviously, they got some of what they're after, our money. The filthy rich wine and dine our pollies to achieve these sorts of outcomes. Only the worst type of people would always want financial stress on millions of Australians for their own collective benefit. Lobbying by the rich should be banned. Australia must stop the continuing policies of making it as hard as possible for ordinary people to get buy and go and get forward. We need a much, much better public policy and policies that show care and understanding and more importantly, respect for its citizens and our individual financial security. That's a really good post. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. Uh, Matt says, lining their own pockets, old private school boys doing what they do best. Believe they're born to rule. This election is our last chance of any change. All right, uh, well, many others are saying the same thing. Brendan says, Marcus, it's not just a one-off payment of $420. Anyone receiving that this year on top of the low and middle income tax offset will see their taxes increase by $1,500 next year. Permanent tax cuts for over $120,000 a year. Yeah, uh, there will be a tax hike, you're right. Absolutely, for those under $120,000. This tax offset is not a permanent measure. It's only temporary. All right, well, there we go. Uh, Many of you very, very disappointed. Very disappointed. Titanium Snowflake, who's a regular commentator on the Facebook page, says, also lowering the cap for medical care before you pay out of pocket making seeing a doctor more expensive, not extending the low and middle income tax credit so working Australians will be $30 a week, worse off starting in July 2022. This budget will leave 70% of Australian workers worse off, Marcus. It's giving with one hand while stealing much more from the other. It's elitism and typical of the LNP. All right, well... (laughs) A lot of you very unhappy, as I say, and thank you for your comments on that post. It doesn't seem fair, does it? Let me repeat. One-off payment, 250 bucks to those on welfare. A once-off tax cut of $420 to workers. But anyone earning over 200 grand a year will enjoy a tax cut of $9,075. Effectively, an extra $350 a fortnight, every fortnight, permanently. That includes billionaires. No, it hardly seems fair, does it? Marcus Paul in the morning.
Yeah, welcome back. Has anybody had a crack at the Prime Minister in the last 24 hours? Who was the last? Oh, Jackie Lambie. Ah, well, (laughs) Uh, she's always had a crack at Scott Morrison. Uh, We've had Jackie... of anti-wells the other day she kicked it all off pauline hansen had her say is there anybody else out there anyway in more uh i guess bad news for the pm oh before i get to this um what did you make of all of the uh, stories and the discussion around scott morrison being booed at the shane warne memorial the other night at the mcg um, yeah, you could. It was. I watched it. It was brilliant, uh, brilliant production, and, and very well done to everybody involved. I think the Victorian government, in uh, in conjunction with Cricket Australia and Shane Warne's family, did a wonderful job on that service. I thought the music hit the right note, pun intended. I thought it was great, really good. Anyway, uh, but ScoMo, of course, turned up, and fair enough, he's the Prime Minister. Albanese was there as well, and a number of dignitaries and politicians. Uh, But when Scott was shown on the big screen at the MCG, and of course on television as well, uh, there was a very audible boo, booing, that came from the, I don't know, 50-odd thousand people that were there. I don't know how many of the 50-odd thousand booed him, but I reckon probably the vast majority of them. Uh, And I think, to be perfectly honest, he deserves it. But what do you make of the the stories about whether it's appropriate or not to boo your Prime Minister? I haven't got a problem with it, Uh, particularly one with this track record. Um, I... Look, it was a memorial for Shane Warne, probably, you know, a little off colour, but that's how people feel. That's how a lot of people feel. Uh, You know, we're in an election year, and I think a lot of people in Victoria in particular, obviously, are are pretty damn unhappy with the Liberal National Party at a federal level. And Scott Morrison, I'm sorry, is unpopular. He is. But it's not the first time a Prime Minister's been booed. Plenty of other Prime Minister uh, PMs have been booed, you know, whether it's a, an AFL or a, a rugby league grand final and they're, uh, you know, front and centre doing the presentations or whatever. It's always happened to PMs. Uh, save maybe for John Howard. He was pretty popular. And Bob Hawke, another very popular one. Is it disrespectful? Because that's what some of the right-wing commentators have been saying this week. Oh, it's extremely disrespectful to boo the Prime... Bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Anyway, uh, maybe you care to have your say. Marcus.Paul at starterfm.com.au or if you care to comment on the Facebook page, please go ahead. Now, in uh, in another headache, I guess, for the PMO, Scott Morrison must reveal any text messages from QAnon friend. That's according to uh, the Information Watchdog. After... A two-year freedom of information battle with Guardian Australia. The PM's office has been told to search for any messages with a QAnon proponent, Tim Stewart. Ooh, uh, he's a conspiracy nutjob, that bloke, that Stewart. Anyway, uh, this comes, of course, after The Guardian asked for a freedom of information. Anyway, the PM's office has been ordered to search through Scott Morrison's mobile phone 
for text messages with prominent QAnon conspiracy proponents Tim Stewart after a two-year freedom of information battle against Guardian Australia. There we go. I love Chris's comment on this uh, note that I've got here. Marcus, we might well see Barnaby's drought report text messages in there as well. <laughs> Update. Scott, we've got too much water now. You got the heads up in November but didn't bother to do shit about it then or now, really. Oh, that's good. Thank you for that, Chris. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, welcome back on this Friday morning, April Fool's Day. Uh, I hope you're enjoying my take on the news. Look, I, I want to be very serious for this next segment. I've been uh, watching and listening to this inquiry into the death of Hannah Clark and her three children. That happened in Brisbane, of course. We, we know the story. Um, this week... There's been a coronial increase, in fact, the last two weeks, but it's really picked up this week. A coronial inquest into how this coward, Rowan Baxter, was able to get close to his estranged wife and three children and effectively incinerate them in a car. Anyway, uh, I've, uh, I've really not wanted to say too much about it, at all because it's just a it's just an and I I've listened to some of the phone calls and also I've I listened to the police um, their audio from the camera when they first got to the scene and Hannah had luckily gotten out of the car but she suffered burns to pretty much every part of her body apart from her feet anyway but she was able to very stoically explain to police what had happened, the fact that Rowan had gotten into the car, he'd obviously, allegedly, well, doesn't matter now he's dead, but he'd obviously stalked them that morning, borrowing his grandmother's car and all the rest of it. Anyway, we, we know what happened. He caught up with them, jumped into the car, threw petrol everywhere, including over the children, and lit it. And I agree with Hannah Clark's parents. They've called her and her children's killer, Rowan Baxter, a coward and a bully. Also remembering their daughter as the most remarkable soul she really was. Sue and Lloyd Clark yesterday delivered a powerful and emotional victim impact statement to the inquest into the deaths of the Brisbane mum and her children, a liar, Liana and Trey. Baxter himself, of course, died in the incident in which he set alight the family in the Brisbane suburb of Camp Hill, which has been the subject of this coronial inquest over the past two weeks. Now, Mr and Mrs Clark have addressed the deceased Baxter for the first time. You've got to remember this coward took his own life after he incinerated his children. Anyway, Mr and Mrs Clark have addressed this bloke, for the first time since the tragedy in the statement yesterday, they said, we've spent two years asking, why would a parent do that to his children? Why would a husband do that to his wife? And why didn't we see it coming? With everything we did to save them from that life, why was it just not enough? 
As a society, we also need to ask ourselves why this can happen. Why did Hannah and the kids receive no genuine protection? Why does it take the murder of four beautiful souls and dozens of other and, and dozens of others every year before governments respond? Now, Mr. and Mrs. Clark have also moved to give their daughter and grandchildren a voice. Alea, Liana and Trey would say, why would you hurt us, Daddy? Why would you take away our futures with all the promise and possibility that we had? Why would you take away our laughter, our games, our reading and dancing and singing and play? Why didn't you love us? Oh, Jesus. Why didn't you love us as a father is supposed to? Hannah would say, why couldn't you be a better man, a better father, a better husband? Why did you have to be such a coward and bully to us for so many years? And why couldn't you leave us alone just to live our lives in peace? Why did you always have to have the last manipulative, vindictive word? Oh boy, oh boy. Well, all strength to Hannah's parents, Sue and Lloyd, who spoke to the media briefly outside Brisbane's coroner's court yesterday. And it just breaks my heart every time I look at pictures of uh, this of Hannah Clark and these three gorgeous children, really. I mean, why? Okay, I, I don't get why couldn't the bloke just move on? You know, let his wife be. Obviously, they had issues, you know, stemming from his inability to be a man and treat her with respect and the way she should be treated. But you look at the three kids and you think to yourself, okay, you know, you've got these three little beautiful kids. Um, if the marriage didn't work out or there's an issue, it's not working out. That, that, look after your kids as well. Share them with your ex. You know, oh, I, I don't get it. I'll never understand how a man can do what this bloke, this Baxter, this prick did. I just, I can't understand it. I never will. Anyway, hopefully, once this inquest is complete, there may well be uh, a chance to, to save another family, another bunch of children, and another woman in particular from the same fate. Because what we've, what we've done up until now is, yeah, sure, it's kind of working, but I also read an article yesterday that, you know, by the time you finish reading this article, which, you know, took me about three, four minutes, another four or five women in Australia have been abused or are suffering in a domestic violence incident. It's not good enough. We need to change. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, welcome back. Nice to have you company. Uh, gee, this is a headache for the New South Wales government. Dominic Perrottet. Um... You know, he's, he's been on leave recently, but he's, he's going to come back into a, another storm. And that, again, revolves around, uh, well, the unhappiness of frontline workers. Uh, we've heard the issues surrounding train drivers and those that work in the public transport space. But the nurses yesterday, well, they were pissed. Around 5,000 rallied at Macquarie Street in the city right near Parliament House 
while another 20 smaller rallies were held in regional locations. Nurses and midwives from 161 hospitals have walked off the job for 24 hours. It's the second strike in seven weeks. Now, the union is still seeking a 4.75% pay rise improved nurse-to-patient ratios, a boost to maternity staffing and an allowance for regional and rural nurses. Union Secretary Brett Holmes warned they would strike again if the state government refuses to negotiate. Well, didn't I at the start of the program talk about the fact that we have a government in New South Wales that allows the toll operators to throw up toll prices by in excess of 5% in some cases, no problem with the allowing private enterprise to do that, but you're not looking after those frontline workers that have really done it tough during the pandemic. The Secretary of the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Union has warned its members will strike again and again if the state government refuses to meet to discuss its demands, as thousands of healthcare workers walked off the job for the second time this year. Uh, police reckon around 5,000-odd were at the rally at Macquarie Street yesterday morning. Around 20 smaller rallies occurred in regional hospitals and health services across the state. I've got friends who are nurses. I saw their Facebook feeds yesterday, and they were proudly holding up banners saying a fair go. The union is seeking a 4.75% pay rise. Nurse-to-patient ratios on every shift a boost to maternity staffing and an allowance for nurses working in regional and rural hospitals. Union Secretary Brett Holmes, who I've spoken to on many an occasion, says if they don't negotiate, we will be back here again and again. Nurses and midwives from 161 hospitals have walked off the job for 24 hours in breach of an order issued by the New South Wales Industrial Relations Commission last week, another nine regional hospitals are holding shorter strikes. It is the second strike held by the union in seven weeks, but for the exact same demands. Now, Mr Holmes said he did not want the state government to think a pay rise would make the union walk away from the other demands, stressing their key demand was staff to patient ratios per shift as are already mandated in Victoria and Queensland and have been promised by the New South Australian Labor government. Yes, uh, I mean, if you talk to anybody in, uh, in hospitals, they will tell you nurses are run off their feet. In wards, staff-to-patient ratios aren't where they should be. And on top of that, neither is the pay. While you absolutely deserve a decent pay rise, I want to make clear that what motivates nurses and midwives is safe patient care, said Brett Holmes. Union reps met Dominic Perrottet and Health Minister Brad Hazard back on February the 21st, six days after the previous strike, which involved 150 hospitals. Mr Holmes said the state government has his number if they wish to meet again. Thousands of nurses packed into Queen Square with their signs and flags before marching up Macquarie Street to State Parliament. Passing ambulances sounded their sirens to cheers from the crowd. Yep, nurses from Wyong Hospital apparently travelled on a train from 7am to make it to the city for the strike action. Some, and I've got the photo here, oh, OK, there they are. They had dressed as, addressed as handmaids from the Margaret Atwood novel The Handmaid's Tale. As they say, they felt silenced. Anyway, 
Over to the government. A New South Wales health spokesperson said, quote, any strike action would cause disruption and delays to health services and they're urging the union to comply with the Industrial Relations Commission order and not to strike. They also say that strike action would also add unnecessary pressure on health staff who remain looking after patients and who are already under pressure from the pandemic. Well, the nurses aren't happy. They chanted, not happy Brad, not happy Dom, as they walked past the Premier and Health Minister's workplace. However, the most common cry was, what do we want ratios? When do we want it now? As I say, over to the state government again. Friday morning. Nice to have your company, Marcus Paul, in the morning. Well, a Sydney bus driver I see is in the poo. Uh, Why? Well, he apparently allowed a 16-year-old boy to drive his bus during a scheduled route with passengers on board. In fact, the driver was arrested and charged. Police were told the 25-year-old man allowed the child to operate his vehicle on multiple occasions, so not just once, but multiple times, between the 10th and the 27th of March this year. Crazy stuff. Following inquiries, police attended a home on Carter Road at Menai, which is in Sydney's south. They were there Wednesday afternoon where they arrested the man. He was taken to Sutherland Police Station, where he was subsequently charged with three counts of negligently move and drive vehicle, subject person to risk and employ, etc. Unlicensed for class and on it goes. All that legal mumbo jumbo. But anyway, he was given conditional bail to appear at Sutherland Local Court on Thursday the 28th of April. Now, in this note that I've got here from police, it does not say whether or not he's still driving a bus. You would hope not, surely. Anyway, that's... uh, to something that I noticed that popped up yesterday from New South Wales Police. If you want to send me an email, you can do so at any time. Marcus Paul at starterfm.com.au. Did I, I didn't mention the dots. Got to put the dots in. Marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. All right, well, he's finally spoken out uh, after the slapathon the other night. Uh, Chris Rock has appeared at a gig that he was playing in the United States, saying effectively that, well, he didn't want to deal with it at the moment. He apparently was almost tearful, as he said he doesn't want to talk about this shit. Not yet. Uh, And obviously, he he also said, look, if you've come to this gig tonight expecting me to, uh, to talk about it, I won't be. Quite simply, will not be. So, uh, nothing yet from him. I, look, I think he's, uh, he's carried himself quite well, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Scott Morrison couldn't help himself. He weighed in on it, saying he understood why Will Smith did what he did. But then again, that's Scott Morrison. I understand what he's saying, that he would, uh, you know, of course, we would all support our partners and our wives. But I don't know whether we would, you know, walk up and physically assault somebody. All right, but anyway, um, that's the latest on that. Will Smith still at risk of perhaps being sanctioned. Although the Academy Awards, the Academy, say that it'll take a couple of weeks for them to um, get through their inquiry. A bloke walked up and physically assaulted somebody. 
in front of hundreds of millions of people on television. What sort of inquiry do you need? Sanction him. Uh, or, you know, look, I don't know whether he should actually have his Oscar taken off him. I don't know what should happen. Maybe he should be fined. Maybe he should be forced to do some community service or, or promote and support uh, victims of crime or something like that. I don't know. Something will, should, is appropriate. Uh, anyway, uh, everybody, every man and his dog, as I say, has had their uh, their two cents worth on the whole thing this week, and uh, I'm sick to death of hearing about it, to be perfectly honest. Uh, speaking of Hollywood, Bruce Willis, uh, one of my favourite actors of all time. I, I loved him, of course, in, in all of the Die Hard films. Die Hard 1 was the best. Uh, but anyway, he went on and... Uh, did a whole swag of others, and I've seen him in the Red series of films, which are good as well. And anyway, he's announced his shock retirement from acting due to an illness. Uh, his family made the announcement yesterday. The star has been diagnosed with a brain condition that affects his ability to understand language, so he's retired from acting immediately. Uh, I'll read out a little of what it says. To Bruce's amazing supporters as a family, we wanted to share that our beloved Bruce has been experiencing some health issues and has recently been diagnosed with aphasia, A-P-H-A-S-I-A, which is impacting his cognitive abilities. As a result of this, and with much consideration, Bruce is stepping away from the career that has meant so much to him uh, that's the statement that it was made by the family on social media. It goes on. This is a really challenging time for our family and we're so appreciative of your continued love, compassion and support. We are moving through this as a strong family and wanted to bring his fans in because we know how much he means to you as you do to him. As Bruce has always said, live it up. And together we plan just to do that. Uh, the statement was signed by his wife, Emma Hemming, his ex-wife, Demi Moore, and his five kids. Of course, well, Demi would be involved because, you know, they brought up children together. Rumour, who's 33, Scout 30, Tallulah 28, Mabel 9 and Evelyn 7. And I'm just looking at the photograph that they put on here. Uh, Oh, it's the one where he's got some sort of towel on his head. And he's wearing a white robe, sunglasses pushed down to the front of his nose, giving us the, oh, well, yep, the old Bruce Willis look that we've come to know and love, those of us that like his movies. Anyway, I think, uh, look, I wish him all the best. Now, according to the Mayo Clinic, aphasia often occurs after a stroke or a head injury and robs you of the ability to communicate. It can affect your ability to speak, to write and understand language, both both verbal and written. Yeah, well, that's not good. And we wish him all the best. And he'll be missed off the screen, absolutely. He had multiple film projects completed, as well as in post-production, including a film called Vendetta, Fortress, Sniper's Eye, and another called White Elephant. And no doubt they'll uh, probably be his last pieces of work at this stage. Alrighty, Marcus Paul in the morning. If you would like to have your say via email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au and you can always leave your comments on my Facebook page. 
Okay, it is Friday. If you would like to be a sponsor of the program, we'd love to hear from you here at starterfm.com.au. Um, you can send me an email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au or, or get in contact with us via the, uh, the contact tab, which is on the, uh, the Starter FM website. All right, well, someone who's been helping us out, certainly me, in the last few weeks is the team from the Independent Board, Greg Urand and his team. Now, they run a, a wonderful operation that helps business owners out in Sydney and elsewhere. So, all business owners, is it time to ask yourself a few important questions? I think it may well be. As a business owner, you often start with a vision of what your business will allow you to achieve in your personal life. The day-to-day realities of running your business takes over and you sometimes lose track of how your working life should be aligned with achieving your personal vision of success. Ask yourself the following questions. Are you ready to take your business to an entirely new level? Who's in control, you or your business? How are you balancing your business and personal lives? Do you need help seeing the opportunities that are available to you? Do you feel like you're fighting fires all alone? And where do you turn to for the truth about your business? To help answer these and many other important questions, you need the expert advice available from the team at the Alternative Board. Yeah, I'll speak to Greg on the program next week. But the Alternative Board helps forward-thinking business owners increase profitability and improve their lives by leveraging local business advisory boards, private business coaching, and proprietary strategic services. You really must speak to them today. What are you waiting for? Call Greg and the team at the Alternative Board to learn more about their invitation-only membership model and how it may be able to help you with your business. Connect today. It is your business, so why wait? The Alternative Board is exactly what your business needs and needs now. Call Greg Uran for all the details. 0400-858-190. The Alternative Board helping your business be all that it can be. All right, welcome back to this Friday. It is April Fool's Day, uh, start of a new month, and I have my fingers crossed, all jokes aside, that we will have far less rain. Although I did read yesterday that unfortunately, long-term forecasts point to much of the same. Those poor people up there in the Northern Rivers. Resilience New South Wales is still under pressure. I mean, this is a, what, between $750 million and $1.2 billion entity. Questions rightly need to be asked. It is far too top-heavy with management. Uh, you've got a whole bunch of executives, I think around 15 to 20, each earning in excess of 250 grand a year. What the hell have they done? Where is the resilience? Why has places why have places like Lismore flooded twice in less than a month? And of course, probably uh, will be on uh, alert. Perhaps, let's hope not, but for more flooding in the coming weeks and months. Yet, look, questions do need to be asked. Uh, I think it was a bit of a uh, back-of-the-envelope decision by then-Premier Gladys Berejiklian to start up Resilience New South Wales. 
Um, uh, she needed to find somewhere, I guess, to reward Shane Fitzsimmons for his good work, wonderful work that he did as uh, the Rural Fire Commissioner. And he did do great work. But, I- I'm sorry, Resilience New South Wales has, has failed. It's just done nothing. Look, I know we can't uh, prevent uh, these catastrophic floods, but we can be resilient against them. And I would have thought spending upwards of three quarters of a billion, in fact, 1.2 billion, I think, is their, you know, uh, their top budget. You know, where's all the money gone? From what I understand, a lot of it's gone on excessive salaries for people who've done nothing, really, effectively. You ask anybody in uh, the north of New South Wales whether they think resilience New South Wales have done a good job, they'd laugh at you. Anyway, I don't know what to make of any of that, but all I can hope is that once the, the flood inquiry gets underway, um, that not too many fingers remain pointed at, obviously, the wonderful volunteers of the SES. But it seems to me that there's just far too many chiefs and not enough Indians when it comes to dealing with natural disasters in New South Wales. You've got everybody running around wearing the chief's hat. SES not talking to people, others not talking to the SES. And in the meanwhile, You've got all these flood-affected communities that end up bearing the brunt of it all. It's not good enough. Not good enough. Anyway, uh, I hope that uh, the inquiry can get to the bottom of it all and uh, perhaps Resilience New South Wales needs to go and maybe just have the SES look after the response to natural disasters. I have a feeling, you know, about the government department, Resilience New South Wales are getting in the way. They're certainly not effectively helping the situation. Anyway, that's my take on it. What's yours? You can let me know by sending me an email. Marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au All right, well, that's it for me today. Uh, Thank you again for joining us this week. Sorry we missed out on, I think it was just one day. Not too bad. I I, I really have been crook. Um, And uh, I'm lucky that I'm actually able to get behind a mic at the moment. Um, feel like death warmed up. Anyway, enough of my ailments. I hope you've had a wonderful week and I hope you have a great weekend. Um, I'll be recuperating, no doubt. And back, firing on all cylinders come Monday. Please uh, make sure you catch up with the Prawncast, the podcast, uh, if you've missed any of the program this morning or you want to revisit it. Uh, we, we talked about some, some big issues this morning and... Um, you know, you may agree or disagree with some of the comments that I made. Uh, you can certainly let me know your thoughts either via an email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au or via uh, the Facebook page. But of course, the broadcast will be available a little later on today on your favourite podcast platform. Please share it and let people know that they can listen to us. Yeah, all they got to do is uh, hop on their favourite radio app, whether it's iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or just on the computer, on your smartphone, whatever. Starterfm.com.au. We do this thing 7 to 9, weekday mornings, Monday to Friday, okay? And we 
mix in some great music as well and the latest news. So that's how it all works. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. Um, I actually am. I'm enjoying this brighter, breezier kind of format. Not having to play 65,000 ads, the same ads over and over again. And, uh, you know, crazy callers from out the back of whoop whoop with their conspiracy theories. What? All right, well, that's it. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll catch up again on Monday. Look after each other. Marcus Paul in the morning. Bye for now.